Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Last week, we started a little short series about He is Coming, and last week we talked about His first coming. So today, I thought it was appropriate that we talk about His coming for the last time. Because Jesus is coming again. Um, It could be today or tomorrow. It could be 10 years from now, 100 years from now. It could even be a millennium away. You remember the Bible says that to God, a thousand years is just like a day. Now, the moment anyone sets a date, even a year, and, and there's always somebody who does that, and they've been doing that for forever, Anytime someone sets a date when Jesus is coming back or even says this year he's going to come back, you can discount that person. And here's why. They are basically saying to you that they know more than Jesus. And so just don't pay attention to that. Don't send the article to me and say, have you read this? Stop it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. Now, this is, this is important to hear because um, whenever things are really bad, people think that's when Jesus is going to come back. I mean, when World War I happened, people thought he was coming back. When World War II happened, they thought, oh, the second coming's around the corner. But listen to what it says in the Bible. When people are saying everything is peaceful, everything is secure, (laughs) everything's great, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. So actually when Jesus returns, and that's talking about him returning, it's when everything's going great. I I certainly see foundational stones being laid over time. I've seen several foundational stones being laid that prepare for the coming of Christ for the last time. You know, one of the prophecies is that there'll be a one world religion. Everybody will come under under one banner. Uh, You may not know this, but Facebook just started a page, a Facebook page that is for people to experience religion virtually. And and they have all the different major uh, religions on that page. And you can experience worship virtually on that page. So it's almost like, hey, you don't have to go to church. Uh, You can just do it virtually. No human contact. In fact, the reason I see that as a foundational stone for a one world religion is you, you, you go to a page like that and you start saying, well, I'm going to check out these other things. Oh, I like that under that religion. 
oh, I, I like that under this religion. Now, this has got some good points. And you start pulling together what you like under the different banners. And after a while, it just kind of merges. In fact, one day, the Bible says, there'll be that one world religion. It'll be a coming together of all the major religions just without Jesus. And so when I see that, and here again, I'm not saying it's going to happen soon. I'm just saying just another foundational stone being put in place. Um, and here's the deal. God even uses pagan people to bring about his will. And they don't have a clue about that. Now, Paul, he introduces a whole new aspect to the subject of Lord's re reappearing. He's basically saying in Thessalonians that it's unpredictable, the time of the Lord's return. Now, he's talking about the day of the Lord. Uh, you read about that in the Old Testament. You read about it in the New Testament. The, the day of the Lord is not a 24-hour period. In fact, if you believe in the rapture, then seven years of tribulation, then the return of Christ and a thousand year reign. The, the day of the Lord begins at the rapture and ends at the thousand year reign. The day of the Lord is when God sets all the accounts straight. The day of the Lord, you, you don't want to face that. It, it, it's bad news for those who've rejected Christ, but it's actually good news for those who've accepted him. And that day will begin when conditions appear calm rather than disaster or everything falling apart. Acts chapter 1 verse 6 it says, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? See, they never quite understood the coming of Jesus at that point. And he said, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. So quit asking. Quit thinking about it. You're, you're focusing on something that well, look at what he says. They're not for you to know. So why focus on it? Why do you focus on something that Jesus said it's not for you to know? <clears throat> he said, but here's what you do focus on. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. And that includes you and me. And you have already, when you pray to receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> And you will be my witnesses. That's our job. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Irmo, South Carolina, United States, even to the ends of the earth. So Jesus saying, don't focus on when I'm going to come back. You focus on what you're supposed to do before that date. And your job, our job, is to try to get as many people to be ready with us for when he does come back. 
Verse 9, it says, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. He, he was actually being lifted up. As they strained to see him rising into heaven. So while they were doing that, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. <clears throat> and he said, they said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So basically they were saying to Jesus, or, or saying to the, to the disciples, and maybe they're saying it to us as well, <clears throat> hey guys, didn't he tell you don't focus on this stuff? Quit, quit looking up waiting for him to return because he's, he's going to come. Your job is to focus on the task he's given you. So these verses describe the Lord's ascension and they anticipate his return. And he's going to come down and land and touch down right where he left on the Mount of Olives right there above the Garden of Gethsemane, right across the valley from Jerusalem, the old city. In fact, in Revelation 1-7, it says, look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. All the nations of the world will mourn for him. You know, I, I don't know how he's gonna do it, but when he sets down in that one singular place, the whole world will see it. Now, when that was written, that literally would be impossible. Not today. With television and satellite and internet, you can see in real time what's happening anywhere in the world. And the whole world's going to see this. In the Old Testament, Zechariah there's a prophecy about his second coming. And you know, the reason I have confidence in about his second coming is that Jesus literally fulfilled over 400 some prophecies about his first coming. So that gives me a lot of confidence that all the prophecies about his second coming will literally be fulfilled. So I'm glad the Old Testament is full of those prophecies. I'm glad we have the evidence that they literally happen. It just does nothing but bolster my confidence that he is going to come back. Zechariah says, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. Not far away, if you're standing on the on the wall of Jerusalem, you're talking about, you know, just a couple of hundred yards away. And the Mount of Olives will split apart. That's the kind of power Jesus has. It's going to make a wide valley running from east to the west, all the way to the sea, actually. Half the mountain will move towards the north and half towards the south. So when Jesus comes back, everything changes. Nothing will ever be the same. 
Um, and, and I want to tell you, when his feet touched down on that very place where he ascended, the whole world's going to see it and the whole world's going to be changed. So that day is coming. It's going to literally happen. So I ought to focus on what Jesus says matters to him prior to that. So let's go and see what Jesus had to say. In Matthew chapter 24, we, we have some of the most important prophetic material in all of Scripture. And they're words of Jesus. So Jesus is saying this, um, beginning of verse 1. As Jesus was living, leaving the temple grounds, the disciples pointed out to him the various temple built buildings. Oh, and they were impressive. Um, Solomon's temple had been destroyed. King Herod, back 20 years before Jesus was born, decided to rebuild the temple, and he had to make it bigger because it's all about him, right? And, and so <clears throat> that temple was still being built, and uh, all this huge, massive project was still being built until 70 AD, so uh, 90 years later, it was still being built when it was destroyed by the Romans. And at the time of Jesus's ministry, <clears throat> it was a very impressive facility. In fact, it, it was probably the most impressive thing in the world. And, and they had these massive blocks of stone that built this area. The stones were 40 feet long. And you can go there today and see them. You can touch them. 40 feet long, 12 feet wide, and 12 feet high. Pretty big stone. Each individually carved, a marble, it was a marble, each individually carved out from a quarry, transported, and then placed precisely one after another on top of each other. They have a place now that you, we can go, we go into when we're in Israel called the Rabbi Tunnel where they've dug down to the foundational stones of, of the temple and you see these massive stones. Incredible. Unbelievable. And so Jesus said, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And less than 40 years later, that happened. Titus, a Roman general, was sent to destroy Jerusalem. And he put wooden scaffolds all the way around the wall of the old city. And anything that would burn, he piled up around it. And then they set fire to it. And it, the fire got so intense that it actually crumbled the stones. And, and then they sifted through uh, to retrieve all the melted gold. Because <clears throat> when Herod had built the east side of the temple and the wall, on the mount, he layered it with gold so that when the sun would rise, it would just reflect and just made this unbelievable spectacle. And so they took all that gold away. So in verse 3, now the disciples got a little upset when they heard that, right? Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives where he was going to leave and where he was going to come back. 
His disciples came to him privately and said, now when you say privately, there were a lot of people following Jesus. So the disciples got with him privately and they said, tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Now, Jesus answers their question in reverse order. And so he kind of starts backwards and works his way to the present time. And so here's what he says. Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. And they will deceive many. We've seen this for generations. In fact, every generation since Jesus, we have seen this. And we see it today. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. You know, there are a lot of world leaders who like to present them as themselves as the Messiah for their people. Yes, these things will take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation. Well, we see that. And kingdom against kingdom. That's happened since the beginning of time almost. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So he's describing a really bad picture. And then he says, and that's not the worst of it. Famines, earthquakes, conflicts have always been used to describe, well, life in a fallen world. But Jesus is saying, that's just the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9, then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You know, we have more of that going on today than ever before. There are more Christians in other countries who are arrested, who are persecuted. I, I talk to these guys. I go and I train these guys in other countries I hear their stories about how they've been persecuted, how they've been arrested, and some of their friends have been killed. We have more Christians being martyred today than ever before in history. He says, you will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it and then the end will come. So Jesus is saying, hey, there are gonna be a lot of people who say they're believers, but they're really not. And, you know, I I see this. Sadly, I see this. Uh, I've had several people who've grown up in our church and very active, and and even in college they were active, and they'd go on mission trips, and then they would get out and they would start working. And then several times I've gotten a phone call, and they would say, hey, can we meet? And I would, we'd go to lunch, and and. Two times I can remember specifically with tears in their eyes, they would say to me, 
you know, I, I, really, I really just don't believe anymore. And you've invested so much in my life, I just felt I had to be honest and I had to tell you. And, and I appreciate that, but then my heart is broken because I ask myself, were they saved to begin with? Or were they just kind of going along with the crowd? I don't know the answer to that. But Jesus said, you know, Don, why are you surprised I said this was going to happen? Many will turn away. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive my people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, the true believers. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached every, throughout the whole world. In other words, the great commission will be fulfilled. And I want to tell you something. Even if we didn't declare the glory of God, God would make sure it's declared even from heaven. Well, what did Jesus say? Even the stones will cry out God's glory. I mean, God's will is going to be done. His prophecies are going to be fulfilled. And you and I, we, we just get to be a part of it. That's amazing. God is never without a witness. And he will proclaim the gospel from heaven itself if necessary. Uh, if you want proof of that, look at Revelation 14.6. <clears throat> this is not on the screen, but I just wanted to share this with you. And, and I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world. So an angel flying through the sky was declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you think that would get somebody's attention? But it doesn't. Isn't that amazing? It'll just be discounted as another UFO, I guess, with had loudspeakers. But an angel flying through the sky. Read that again. I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language. So in other words, you could speak one language, the person next to you could speak another language, and you would see this one angel, and the angel would be speaking in both of your languages. You would hear your native language being spoken. Well, only God could do that. Well, that happened one other time when the Holy Spirit came after Jesus ascended into heaven and the disciples spoke all the native languages of everybody that was represented in Jerusalem that day. Hmm. Verse 15, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. And then there's a note there that says, reader, pay attention. 
So God's will is going to be done. God is never without a witness, even if he has to send angels. Now let's get back to Matthew, <clears throat> the words of Jesus. Verse 16. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. Now, he's, he's talking about near the Dead Sea, and Jerusalem's near the Dead Sea, and, and there's some mountains nearby the Dead Sea, and it's full of caves. In fact, that's where David hid from Saul when Saul was trying to kill him. I've, I've been in those caves. It's really cool how you can go up there and just stand where David might have been hiding. And then it says in verse 17, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. There's just not time. Um, you know, when those tornadoes hit in Kentucky uh, last week, people had no time to pack their clothes and get their stuff together. Uh, I saw on the news last night, they've recovered a security camera video of the inside of a bank when it got hit. And it was just like that, and it was destroyed. And so that's kind of the way it's going to be. You don't have time to pack. You don't have time for anything. You just have to get, get away. He said, a person out in the field must not return to even get a coat. Forget it. How terrible it will be for a pregnant woman, for nursing mothers in those days. It's going to really get rough. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for, for there will be greater anguish than at any time. Oh, listen to what Jesus just said. There will be greater anguish than any time since the world began. Jesus said that. And it will never be so great again. Hmm. In fact, it says, Jesus says, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. That's how bad it's going to be. It will destroy every person on the planet unless God shortened it, which he does. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones, you. And me. Then, if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. Jesus is saying to you and me, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you better listen. If someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go look. Or look, he is hiding here. Don't believe it. You know, the words of Jesus, this, this is why I never become enamored with celebrity preachers. Never. Because they begin talking about Jesus, but eventually they end up talking about themselves. And it becomes all about them. I just don't pay attention. 
why should I be focused on what some celebrity preacher or TV guy says when I got words of Jesus? These self-styled messiahs, you should never consider their claims simply because Jesus said you shouldn't. Verse 27, for as the lightning flashes in the east and shines, this is still Jesus talking, shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures show that there's a carcass nearby. Yeah, you drive around here and you see all the vultures somewhere. You know there's a dead something nearby. So these signs indicate the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will give no light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heaven will be shaken. This is the day of the Lord. And then at last, the Son of Man is coming the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. You want to know what that sign is? Jesus himself. He is the sign of the coming of the Messiah. It says when Jesus shows up, when he appears, there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, the non-believers. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. All the people of the earth will see the coming of Jesus. And they will mourn. Why? Because instantly they will have the instant knowledge that Jesus indeed was who he said he was. He's the Messiah. Verse 31. And he, Jesus, will send out his angels and with the mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world. That's you and me. From the, so if we're still alive when Jesus comes back, Jesus is going to send an angel to come get you. That's pretty cool. So when he shows up, go with him. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When the branches bud and the leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you, you can know his return is very near. Right at the door. I tell you the truth that this generation, now he's not talking about the generation that was living when he said this, <clears throat> will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. We don't know which generation that is. It might be ours. It might be our grandchildren. It might be many generations from now. But heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. This is why that verse right there is why I have total confidence. One of the reasons I have total confidence in what Jesus says. Heaven and earth could just disappear and Jesus' words are still there. So you can 
you can have total confidence in what Jesus says. Another reason I have total confidence in what he says is because he backed it up with his resurrection. Anybody that can be raised from the dead, well, you might want to pay attention to what they say. And only Jesus came back from the grave to never die again. Everybody else who rose from the dead, like Lazarus, they had to die again. That stinks. But Jesus would never die again. Verse 36, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. And that's why you don't pay attention to anybody who thinks they've got the date. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. You know, in Noah's day, basically, everybody was having a good time. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in to marriage. Uh, They didn't think about things. They didn't think about future things. They only thought about themselves. They were having a big old time. It was all about them. And he says, when you get to the place where... Everybody thinks it's all about them. You're getting into the days of Noah. And they had warnings about it. Two ways that they had warnings. The words of Noah, because while he was building that ark, which took over 100 years, he was preaching. Because everybody, I mean, listen, there weren't movie theaters to go to and that kind of stuff. So Noah was the biggest thing around to go see. I mean, it was a form of entertainment. People would ride on their camels, and they would have like a drive-in camel theater, and uh, Noah was up there building the ark, and they were just watching like they've never seen such a thing. You're building an ark in the middle of nowhere? There's no water nearby, and, uh, and you keep talking about the rain is coming? It had never rained up until then. It had never rained. The way the earth was watered was from a mist and from water that came up out of the ground. <clears throat> I mean, it talks about how these, these waters under the ground burst open when the flood happened. And so, Jesus, you know, so Noah was the great entertainment of the day, and he preached to them. He preached what was going to happen. And then it did. You see, when God saved those who were in the ark, Jesus is the ark today. There was only one door into the ark, and God shut it when everybody was in that was going in. He shut it himself so that no one could open it. The cross of Jesus is the door to the ark of Jesus. There's only one door. One day, God's going to shut the door to the ark of God's salvation. And then it's too late. No one else gets in. And so Jesus is saying, hey, when the world gets back to the place that the world thinks it's all about us, Get ready. Verse 38. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered the boat. 
People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. You see, it started raining hard. And then all that water that was stored under the surface burst open. So the water was coming down and the water was coming up and it flooded really quick. And it swept them all away. Then Jesus says this, that is the way it will be when the son of man comes. Two men will be working in the field and one will be taken, the other is left. Two women will be grinding in the flour at the mill and one will be taken, the other is left. A lot of people always thought this was talking about the rapture and it's not. They thought it was the Christian that was taken. It's not. It's the evil person that's taken and taken into judgment. The one left is the believer. That's the believer. The one left in the ark were the believers. Verse 42, and, and you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. You don't. Don't think that you do. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. In fact, some of you, you'd get all excited about it. Am I right? <laughs> You'd be ready. <laughs> you also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So we have to be prepared for his coming as if it were soon and also as if it weren't. We have to be prepared. A faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give responsibility of, of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that that servant has done a good job, there will be reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't come back for a while, and then he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk? That master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut that servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's always a description of hell. So here's the deal. Jesus has said, you're my servants. I've given you a job. It's called the Great Commission. I've given you spiritual gifts to help fulfill that. I've given you my Holy Spirit to empower you. Your life belongs to me, Jesus says. And when I return, you won't know when it's going to happen. So am I going to find you doing what I've told you to do or are you just going to be living for yourself? And for the non-believer, there'll be judgment. There will be eternal separation from holy God. There'll be hell. You and I want to be the faithful, sensible servants. Doing what God's told us to do, living the way he's told us to live, 
fulfilling his purpose for our lives. Now let me close with the very last words of Jesus recorded in scripture. In Revelation chapter 22. Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the A and the Z of the Greek alphabet. So I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the A and the Z and all the letters in between. I'm everything. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. I was there at the beginning. I was there. I'll be there at the end. I was there before the beginning and I'll be there after the end. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. David didn't exist apart from me. I am the bright morning star. He who is a faithful witness to all these things, he says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray.